Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a father, it's always a, a joy when your kids are at that age when they still like to see you. When I walked through the door the other day, and it's happened on more than one occasion, one girl ran up to hug me. One walked along the wall and gave me a smile and a baby wave. And the two other ones yelled, hi, Dad, from the other room. They were excited. Their dad was home for lunch. Doesn't seem like a very exciting thing. Now they enjoyed with being with Rebecca during the day. Don't get me wrong, they weren't excited for her too. But they looked forward to when I came home. And when we think about the return of Jesus on the last day, it's something we look forward to as Christians. We've been hearing that in the last couple of weeks, and actually these kind of readings, they jump around in Matthew 24 and 25. The Lord promises he's coming again. And as we heard last week, he's coming to judge the living of the dead, living and the dead, and we confess that every week in the creed. We heard about the sheep and the goats. And today it's no different. Nothing's changed, but he focuses on another point in this parable before you now. And so this is the end of the church year. And the last words of the gospel reading end on a note that's pretty serious. Jesus doesn't say, it's been a good run, guys, right? Have a good time. No, he says, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so the warning of Jesus is something to pay attention to, something that we heed what he says. And to illustrate this, he gives us a parable relating with what the situation will be like when he comes on the last day and how this is happening according to God's working. This is how the kingdom of heaven operates. He says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. Now that's a familiar story like last week with the sheep and the goats. And like last week, there are some questions that arise when we hear Jesus teach us this. First question is, well, who's Jesus talking to here? Now, oftentimes, and perhaps part of our sinful nature, is to go right away to want to see this parable in terms of an us versus the world type of thing. Where clearly, Jesus, you're talking about them. You're not talking about us. We want to think the wise virgins are the ones sitting here in church. And the foolish ones are those people who aren't here. Well, foolishness in the Bible is equated with unbelief. And God does teach us outside the church there is no salvation. And he has other parables and things where he talks about those things, refusing and separating yourself from the means of grace, which is to separate yourself from Christ. That is a serious thing. There's no wisdom found outside of those things. But when we hear this specific parable, we hear it as those sitting here today. And we think that we're out of the clear. But Jesus is speaking this to his disciples. He's speaking to those who are, in fact, have been hearing his teaching. So when Jesus gives this warning, he's warning you. He's warning Christians. So the next question then arises then, well, so what does all this mean? What are all these details? And you can find volume upon volume upon volume that's been written on this subject. And it's not to say that it's not a worthwhile or interesting study. But there's a danger, though, to lose sight of the forest for the sake of the trees in the parables of Jesus, and especially in this one. 
It's easy to take something too far by way of allegory, that is, this equates to this, and this must mean this, to the point that the point is obscured, or different meanings arise, different things that are entirely different than what Jesus was trying to say. So how do we read this? Well, oftentimes when you look at the parables of Jesus, there will be a word, there'll be a phrase, there'll be an element that sticks out when Jesus uses a parable. It may be something that's very odd or different. It goes against that notion that parables are meant to be relatable to people. Actually, they're kind of meant to confuse at some times, and then something sticks out as odd, and you scratch your head and go, why in the world is he talking about this here? So in the case of this one that's before us here in Matthew's gospel, it's the phrase at the end that kind of jumps out to us right at the end. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So while those details about lamps and oil and wedding customs, which we really don't know a whole lot about during that time in history, while those are important, the point that Jesus is making is that you don't know when he is returning. And you need to be ready. So there's an urgency then to the Christian faith that we do well to remember. The Christian faith and apathy, just not caring or being lazy and lackadaisical, they don't go together. There's no putting off what God says to you, and you are the one who works him into your schedule and not the other way around. So it's a call to repentance. It's a call to see that your faith is something your whole life is formed by. That God has redeemed you by God and your inheritance is not of this world. So there are many reasons then why the foolish virgins didn't bring enough oil. And if you would have questioned each one of them, I'm sure they each would have had their own excuse that may even have sounded legitimate. But what boils down to the fact is that at the end of the day, they weren't ready when the bridegroom came. They thought they had gone through the motions and it appeared as, as though they were wise, but deep down they were just putting on a show. They were the kids who the dad said to be ready to go when he comes home, but they spent their time playing. And when dad came home to take them somewhere special, they weren't dressed, they hadn't gone potty, and their shoes were off, so the kids missed out. It's similar here. The virgins didn't want to obey another person's word. They wanted to live their lives according to their liking, according to their time, and just check off all those things to make things appear like everything was okay. But they were just foolish. They were unbelievers who didn't see the need to be ready for the bridegroom to come at any time. So then what makes then the other virgins wise? Did they have nice diplomas hanging up on their walls that said, I have a whatever degree in wisdom? Well, the word for wise here in this reading from Matthew can be translated in another way, and it's telling. Perhaps maybe a better way to translate this is prudent. So these wise virgins were prudent in their lives. That didn't mean that they liked to eat prunes. But they lived each day with the future in mind. They knew that the bridegroom said he is coming so that they better be ready whenever he may come. Each and every day they looked at it as if it were their last. They went to bed each night thinking this very well could be the time when they would meet the bridegroom. Their lives were lived with that in mind so that even when they fell asleep they knew that they had to be prudent that they better have their oil stocked up to be ready if the bridegroom comes in the middle of the night. So as Christians, you have this warning of Jesus to be ready. 
and you're told that you're not out of the loop with what Jesus says now and what he says will happen. In that epistle reading, God wrote, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So God places his word before you. He shows you then. When that last day comes, you're not going to be caught off guard and say, well, I had no idea this was going to happen. So then what? Well, God says repent. Repent of your sin and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And set your minds on the things of God and view each day through the lens of what is to come. Be prudent. Last Last week in the epistle reading from 2 Peter 3, we heard... Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, he was talking about how the earth will pass away and God will give us a new heavens and a new earth. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these... Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So you don't know when Jesus will return. But you know that he is coming. So God looks at you now and he says, what do you think about that day? How do you think you are ready? Well, if all of your answers that are running through your mind point back to yourself, then fear that day. If Jesus comes to you now here in this place and delivers to you salvation and you see this as a burden or as unnecessary that you're sitting here even now, that you don't need what he has commanded and promised you here, then what does that say about the day when he comes on the last day? If you want to meet Jesus and greet him with excuses and attempts to tell him that you really have tried to do what you could and all of these things and that you think that you have somehow been right in your life, Well, Jesus has a word in the reading. He says, truly I say to you, I do not know you. So what does all of this mean? How is this that you can have confidence for the day? And that you can see it something as to look forward to when you see Jesus? How do you know what Jesus will say to you? Well, thanks be to God, it's not up to you. Thanks be to God, it's the work of God to and for you. For the Holy Spirit is the one who has called you by the gospel. He's the one who has made you wise in salvation. And he's the one who keeps you in that faith through his means of grace. So then, can you have confidence to be ready and face that day when the bridegroom returns? Absolutely. Absolutely you can, and you do have it. How? How? Because you see, you stand as one who is forgiven. And so the cry of the wise virgins is the cry you sing every Sunday. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. So you see that you have confidence to face that day because you know who your bridegroom is. He's your redeemer. God says in that epistle reading, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So there's a confidence to know that even before the foundation of the world, God chose you for his own 
because of his grace and mercy in Christ. So that word of God to you today, that your sin is forgiven and that Jesus has died for you and that he is the one who is risen from the grave is the confidence that you have to face that day and actually look forward to it because Jesus is the Lord who is taking you to a place of eternal joy and peace that you heard about in that Old Testament reading where there's weeping no more, where all these wonderful things will be. So what about you? Who are you? And what is your cry now as you await this day? Well, rejoice, rejoice, believers. Your bridegroom is coming. Be ready by gathering around where he is already found, where he already says, I'm here. Receive his word and sacraments and proclaim his death until he comes again. Repent of your sin and cling to Jesus, knowing that he is the one who has washed you clean. Be the kid waiting at the window for his dad to come, or in the case of our girls, they always wait at the window and watch for when Lingards are coming, probably because Lingards give them uh, ice cream and things like that. But be that kid. Be that kid waiting for the Lord to come and goes running to the door when Jesus, when the cry comes out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him, and you go off. And begin each and every day knowing that you belong to Christ and know that your future is with him. And lay down your head each night in that confidence of your baptism. That you are a sinner, but it is the Lord who has made payment for your sin and you have eternal life. And you go through this life in this world, no matter how long it may be, reconciled to God. And you look forward to that day with great anticipation. And you see your whole life lived as one lived with this future in mind. So through times of joy, through times of sadness, or even facing death, you're prudent. Because you know that Jesus is the victor. And you know that his glory is everlasting. And so as St. Paul told the Thessalonians, encourage one another with these words. Even as the Lord does for you. Together as his people waiting with lamps burning and oil to the plenty, fix your eyes on the horizon and grab your lamps, for midnight is upon us. The hall has been prepared, the feast is ready, the bridegroom is on his way, and your name placard is sitting at the table. And boy, it's going to be a great day, dear saints of God, even better than you can imagine. So as God's people, as his bride, the church, close this church year with that image before you. That image of your Lord coming for you. That promise of Jesus. So hearing this word, you know what comes next. Advent is upon you. And so come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen.